you know, she came downstairs to my bedroom. I've lived in the basement for my little bedroom there. And she was like, are you okay, Colby? You know, are you upset? Because it's a very actually somber song. It's a song about brotherhood and about place and, and friendship and all these things. Right. So that, that's really where it began. And, uh, you know, Bruce was my refuge as, as a teenager, as a pubescent teenager. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today is another friend from up north. I will tell you, I love all my guests, but there's always something fun about having someone from Canada. Colby Crossley is joining me today. Colby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jesse. This is an honor and a privilege. Well, that you are too kind. You're too kind. Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so um, I am Canadian. Um, perhaps you could tell by the accent that will be uh, coming up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm 28 years old, and um, I've been a Bruce Springsteen fan for half my life, actually, wow. uh, this year. So. That's it. And then, uh, so I come from Canada. I live in Alberta. Okay. Um, uh, I'm a writer on my spare time and uh, uh, currently working on a multi-year project. Okay. Um, I was born and brought up in the Canadian prairies that edge the mountains of British Columbia. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, a lot of people refer to Alberta as Canada's Texas. Oh, um, I had not known that. Okay. Right. Okay. So uh, I think mainly because of our oil and gas industry where a lot of men work and uh, women too, uh, mm-hmm. but people tend to view Alberta with a redneck stigma, I would say. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, we're good, good people, friendly people. Uh, we have values and we stand on, uh, what we believe on. So it's, it's a good time here. <laughs> good. Well, I always like to start at the beginning. First off, thank you so much for being on the show and I, I appreciate it. Um, talk to me, you, you mentioned growing up near the Alberta and, you know, kind of the, the Canadian plains, yeah. um, you know, quick story. The first time I went to Canada, we had bought a company that had an office in Winnipeg, Canada. Mm-hmm. And so I was flying to Winnipeg and we had just had, you guys had just had the Winter Olympics out, you know, toward the West, you know, and, and you know, and this beautiful snows and all this thing. Right. And yep. I land in Winnipeg and it is the flattest place I've ever seen. I mean, it looks like a <laughs> Dallas suburb. Right. Like, sure. they're, they're, you know, it's like this is Canada till um, I had to visit in the winter. And then I go, no, this is not Texas. Uh, sure. So, yeah, right. it's very different. We you, you forget how big Canada is. I mean, Canada is as right. big as the U.S. as far as geographic, you know, yes. diversity. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Growing up, what kind of music did you and your family listen to? 
Well, if I could just stop you right there and add a little sure. joke to what please, please, always. Um, uh, there, there's a joke about Winnipeg and mainly Saskatchewan, which is the neighboring province of okay. Alberta and Winnipeg. But uh, there's a joke of uh, if you lose your dog, you can still see it running four days later. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, growing that up, that is so, a true statement. I love that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have, uh, some cheeky humor, I guess, but, uh, no, growing up though, Jesse, um, you know, my mom is so musical. Um, okay. she, she's, uh, grew up, you know, in the eighties and the seventies and nineties and all that. And so, you know, but she's hard rock all the way. She's, okay. she's, she's metal hard rock. So we had a lot of, uh, let's say Slayer, Pantera, Ozzy Osbourne, which is you know, one of her main go-tos, uh, Kiss, stuff like that. And, um, you know, for a kid like me, who's more shy and quiet, it was very yeah. uh, overbearing, I would say. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> you know, in the family van, uh, we crank up, you know, uh, uh, Raining Blood by Slayer on an <laughs> afternoon. Like, Mom, please turn the music down. <laughs> That's, um, that's, that's hilarious. You know, I, I've, I've had a fair amount of people that have shared that their f- parents were fans of classic rock, right? Yeah. Depending on the age and such. But I, I think you're one of the first who's uh, mentioned your, your mom listening to Slayer and Ozzy Osbourne. That's, you, yeah. I, I think you get a ding first time metal, you know, as a guest. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> How about your father? Um, so he's not in the picture, uh, okay. sadly. Um, Sad but, uh, yes. you know, we've had a couple, you know, uh, marriages that my mom had where we had a couple stepdads and okay. stuff like that. Bit of a rocky childhood, I would say. But, you know, okay. it was all good spirited. And um, uh, music certainly prevailed in our living mm-hmm. rooms. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd be dancing as kids and my mom would be cooking dinner and come out mm. and dance with us and things like that, you know, very positive and uplifting. So um, that's pretty well, I could say, well, you know, it, which okay. encapsulates that. Did um, did you rebel against that music? You had said you were kind of you you were you, as a shy, reserved kid that, mm-hmm. you know, um that loud in your face rock and roll kind of made you yes. uncomfortable. So did you, did you kind of, did you go the extreme and really love easy listening or, you mm. know, or soft pop? Uh, what, what, mm. when you started developing your own music taste, how did that evolve? Well, um, Jesse, I certainly uh, rebelled against it for sure. Um, but I really didn't have, any okay. sort of fallback uh, artist or band, um, you know, it really truly wasn't until I got Bruce Springsteen in my life where I'm like, okay, this is someone I can take refuge in and truly um, uh, sort of uh, put myself into his music. You know, um, it, right. It's sometimes you, I feel like I'm coming home to quote, right. You know, Mm, uh, halfway to heaven. And, you know, so did I I ask this to every guest, but I think it's especially uh, relevant to your story. How did you find Bruce and what about him spoke to you? So this is probably going to be a really cool story. Um, Good. So 
I love it. Right. So my story with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band is kind of like a story of loneliness and solitude. And I say as I've never really been able to share this extreme fandom with another fan of, say, your caliber or anyone. You know, um, I haven't really met anyone quite yet that understands Bruce like we do, for example. But he came into my life by one night. My mom came home. This was about 2007, late 2007 or early 2008. I can't quite remember the details or the date. But she came home with the album Magic. And she had gone home from a concert and it was a free CD she got or something like that to that effect. She said, Colby, you might like this, this music. You know, she knew who Bruce was too, but she wasn't really a fan. And we never had Bruce Springsteen playing the house or the car prior to this, me getting the CD. So I saw this older guy in the front cover, right? It's Bruce Springsteen. And I opened up the CD and there was the whole band. There's Niels, Clarence, Patty, Max, Gary, Steve, you know, uh, and, and Danny and Roy. So the whole band was there. And I thought, gee, you know, who are these guys? You know, I was only 14, 15 years old, right? So I popped in the disc. Bam! Radio Nowhere came on. Okay, this is pretty good, you know. And then Living in the Future. And, you know, and then got the, you know, uh, Your Own Worst Enemy, Gypsy Biker, Girls and stuff, you know, and then all these songs. And then the last song, which isn't actually on the back of the album, it's Terry that came on. And Jesse, when I heard that song, that's when I'm like, okay, this kind of sort of encapsulates the entire record with this beautiful song, uh, a tribute to a friend of Bruce's from his past, right? That passed on, I, I'm, I'm assuming at the time. Beautiful record. I gotta say, my mom would open the door and would hear Terry replay on repeat on and on and on. And, you know, she came downstairs to my bedroom. I've lived in the basement uh, from my little bedroom there. And she was like, are you okay, Colby? You know, are you upset? Because it's a very actually somber song. It's a song about brotherhood and about place and, and friendship and all these things, right? So that, that's really where it began. And, uh, you know, Bruce was my refuge as, as a teenager, as a pubescent teenager. <laughs> you know, Colby, I... I- Thank you for sharing that. That's that's a wonderful story. And I, I'm going to kind of dig into it a little bit more. But yeah. I, what I love the idea is that um, there, there is I, I can't remember who said it once, but there was a um, and I'll think of his name the moment we could recording. But um, there comic book um, insider, you know, was a newsletter. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 a um a kind of actual magazine and the editor said everyone's comic book is every comic book is someone's first comic book mm-hmm. and so therefore when you're writing that you have to understand that you have to play to two different audiences you have mm-hmm. to not bore your consistent readers but yeah. you also have to make this inclusive enough, inviting mm-hmm. enough that someone new can join on. And um, I said that about Bruce, that every Bruce show is someone's first Bruce show. So if you're an old 
veteran that, you know, is in his 50, he or she is in their 50s or 60s, have seen hundreds of shows, you may never want to hear Racing in the Street or Badlands or Born to Run Again, but there's somebody who's never been at that show that is going to um, maybe have an accident in excitement that they're hearing Born to Run Live for the first time. And the reason I kind of go on this rambling is I have heard I heard darkness and it changed my life. Uh, Boy, got born in the USA and then I had to go back to the back catalog. Um, You and um, Rob Carmack, who does Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, magic Mm. is he how he found Bruce, you know, Uh. and he is, uh, you know, and so I, I love the idea that there's someone, you know, who may someone in this podcast that letter to you or Western stars might be their entry point. So I love that you shared that magic was kind of yours. And um, what was it just that, and I, I don't want to belittle that because I think all of us had these as a teenager, there is a reason why it's a cliche of feeling mm. out of place and feeling like I don't fit in. And mm. uh, Don Henley once said that he had a theory that um, we spend the rest, most of our adult lives trying to get over high school. <laughs> so right. was there something specific that you were struggling with if you feel like sharing mm. or was it, you know, about why this music kind of was your refuge? Well, I, I would say it was mainly the emotional resonance that I felt and that yeah. I welcomed into my being when I had the record play front to back over and over and over. And keep in mind, this is 2007, 2008. So this isn't a vinyl. This yeah. is me as a as the next generation discovering Bruce Springsteen well yeah. into his career at this point, mind you, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, but, but sort of in a way, exercising that traditional, uh, that traditional approach to listening to music when you have, when you put the CD or the vinyl rather, and then you read the, 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 the liner notes and the lyrics and look at the pictures in the, in the, in the album artwork and, and the notes, all these things. Right. And so I did that and, um, you know, going back to, you know, the Slayer and the Pantera and the Aussie and the Kiss and all these in the car and the house. This was like an intimate experience because he spoke softly in some songs. In other songs, he spoke as if he was lost and looking for others or, you know, all these things, right? He, Bruce Springsteen does such a fantastic job with, um, with his magic trick, if I may say, yeah, uh, exactly, in embodying these characters, eh? So, um, there wasn't anything truly I was going through. It's just as a teenager, it was high time that I find a kind of music that could begin the soundtrack to my life. Yeah, you know, um, there. I just had a guest on that the podcast hasn't been released yet, mm-hmm. but he talked about that. Um, and, and he tells a beautiful story about, he did not come out till very, very late in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that 
he has a theory that the reason why so many people in the lesbian, gay, non-gender community mm-hmm. enjoy Bruce's music is because mm-hmm. of that sense of isolation, the sense mm-hmm. of being different, the yeah. sense of not fitting in. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, you know, as you talk about that, I think that's, that's a really important point mm-hmm. that he does speak about that. Um, the other thing I love is I just, the idea that, you know, well, let's, let me ask you, okay, you've, you've discovered magic. You love it. Yeah. Did you start going and looking for other albums? I mean, what was the next path in your Springsteen journey? Right. So, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you two things here to respond Please. to, to what your previous guest had mentioned about, yeah. um, his journey and coming out. Cause I've, um, I'm also gay actually myself, um, okay. but I didn't come out till I was 20 years old. Okay. Um, so there's, there's like a six or five year gap, um, from this point on of discovering Bruce to when I came out, but really I would say Springsteen does a fantastic job, whether you can't afford a show and you watch them on YouTube, like I have, cause I've never mm-hmm. been to a show myself. Yeah. Not yet. And, but I've scoured the internet, scoured the internet, YouTube and all these things. Um, the nugs net shows yeah, sure. I have a huge collection we can go over later on um but you get a sense of community in his music and and you can put your isolation into him and the band yeah um but going back to your your next question here about uh how where did I go from here it was really just okay so I played out al- the album magic for days and weeks and whatever does this guy have anything else? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Like, is this guy a one hit wonder? Like, right. Well, I just had no idea who he did. Yeah, exactly. Who right. Was, okay. Right? Yeah, sure. Completely. I did not know. I, I didn't know who Clarence was. I didn't know, like, Niels looked like the youngest guy in the band. But yeah. I didn't know who Niels was. Because, again, all I had was the album artwork. So, I, if I can remember correctly, I went on YouTube and it was also this time that I started discovering Johnny Cash mm-hmm. and the video and song in particular, I came across at that time was hurt his yeah. cover of the nine inch nails song. What a tremendous cover and video that was. I mean, I still go yeah. back to that years later. It's just a fantastic video and all that, but putting in keying in Johnny Cash on YouTube and then King and Bruce Springsteen on YouTube, these guys started kind of, you know, gelling the algorithms of the search engine started giving me more and more of these artists. And then it's when I discovered Born to Run. And I'm like, gee, you know, I might have heard this on the radio at some point. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And um, you know, Jesse, from there after YouTube, I'm like, hey mom, can we like can I get some more CDs? And so yeah. you take them to like a Walmart or um, in those days we had uh, the music and like movie store called HMV. Yeah. I don't know if the States has that, but I know the UK does. Um, anyways, that's our, like our music store to go to. Not anymore. It's, it's now Sunrise Records, but it's, that was HMV in, uh, back in the day. And sure. uh, we go there and, you know, we go to the Bruce Springsteen section of the store and flip through some CDs and um my next one, I believe, was uh, The Rising 
And then I believe I got the greatest hits album from 95. Okay. Um, in like a, a convenience store, I just stumbled upon, there's a little stand of, you know, odds and ends at this convenience store, like a max or seven 11, let's say. And uh, there was the greatest hits album. So I picked that up and played yeah. that in the car for days and weeks on end. And um and it just goes from there. I mean, any kind of allowance money I got, Jesse, or any kind of, uh, you know, if it was Christmas or a birthday, mm-hmm. can you get me this, Bruce? You know, because I started searching up what he had, and I realized yeah. the catalog was extremely extensive. So, um, you know, it just it went from there. You know, any kind of allowance money, I go down, you know, just like a kid would do back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah. go down to the store and get some music, you know, get a, an, a vinyl or an yeah. album or whatever. And that was exactly me, but in 2008, 2009. You know, Kobe, one of the things that you're making me smile about is I've, um, it, I, I grew up on top 40 radio and toward the end of my high school, uh, a bunch of my buddies were really into kiss. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kiss destroyer kiss live, you know, I, I was listening to a lot of kiss along with the top 40 radio. Mm-hmm. And when I picked up, I was at a, a department store called, um, you know, uh, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, it doesn't matter. That I, I was at a music store and um, I picked up a Beach Boys 8-track, mm. Endless Summer. Mm-hmm. And I put that CD in and much like you, oh my goodness, the harmony and the beauty of the Beach Boys started feeling my, you know, car yeah and it was something i'd not heard of right like and as you talk about when you go from ozzy to bruce mm-hmm. and, and nothing against ozzy or slayer or any of these things they're they're oh. beautiful musicians yeah. but it is like wow this is something different this something is something different. really different mm-hmm. yeah um were there were there albums that took you a while to understand and i I'll, I'll give you an explanation i'm going through all the beach boys albums i am going through i i'm every record store i go to i go to the b section and i'm flipping through the albums i'm going into the cassette section or eight tracks back then looking for them mm-hmm. and i remember picking up pet sounds oh and yeah. playing it and when like well, i don't Not get directly. this what yeah Right. This isn't surf music. Well, I don't know if I like this. Yeah. Because I wasn't ready. So I didn't know if maybe like Nebraska or something else. Did you listen to mm. and go, wow, this is different? Um, well, I just want to say Pet Sounds is a master record. And I put that on some evenings with lights yeah. off or with lights on, doesn't matter. Yeah. And I just listen to that front to back because the the majesty and the and the mastery that brian wilson and the guys yeah. especially brian wilson though yeah uh without him they don't have the beach boys they don't no. have yeah exactly boys. and in fact um anytime on twitter someone says what is the what is your go-to album i always put pet sounds and and i know yeah. a lot of times people like jesse you do a bruce springsteen podcast i go yes sure. but but 
Pet Sounds. It's, it's Pet, Pet Sounds. Sounds. Yeah. Right. Just like yeah. it's the White Album by the Beatles. Yeah. You don't I say mean, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So to answer your question, though, um, let's see here. That's a great question. I, I love I love any kind of question that makes me ponder uh, Springsteen and the band. Um, well, I would say. Hmm. Probably, well, it's got to be like, uh, you know, there's so many things with Springsteen's music because he tends to change a lot. And, and I yes, know he does. people might not notice that, but he does change a lot. Um, you know, he can be rock. And yeah. I find, I think, I think people, especially refer to darkness as like the fan the fan favorite or the all-time yeah. great is because it has more of a hard rock edge to it yeah um, especially with candy's room and especially with the lyrics of darkness and and badlands and all these things right yeah street on fire and all this and racing the street you know it's it's edgier but um it's hard to really pinpoint one particular album that you know and i'm of course being a fan for 14 years now and, and going strong. Yeah. Um, I've, I've kind of become, uh, let's say, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, I'm used to it. I'm used to all the music. It's so yeah. it's hard to remember exactly what I felt when I first put on darkness or when I first put on working a dream or, you know, human touch. Um, but with all the textures, I think I would probably say, uh, gee, I think probably Tunnel of Love, though. Okay. I don't think I quite got it at first. Okay. I and can then see I realized, that. Yeah. But then I realized years later that Tunnel of Love is probably one of the best of all time. Yeah. And, and I, I, I've had people join me um, that have said you, you need to either have a little mileage in your life. Hmm. or had your heart broken a few times sure. before you can truly understand a uh, tunnel of love. And, hmm. and it's funny too, because I've had people on the show that are like 19 or 20 and they immediately say, Oh, tunnel is my favorite album. Is that right? Yeah. And I'm like, and I don't want to like, wait a minute, you haven't had enough experience in your life to be. Yeah. Like, how dare you say that? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, I, I love that. I love that. It speaks to them that much. Yeah. And, exactly. Uh, so um, you, you've talked about, you haven't had a chance to see him live yet. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you're itching for a tour like the rest of us. Um, yeah. So what, um, Talk about some of your other, like, share me some stories and thoughts about, you know, your, your fandom and, and where this has been taking you. Right. So as I kind of mentioned there, um, I began to scour the earth for other Bruce music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, you know, um, okay. I was, about 15, this is 2009 now, 15 okay. years old, and the midterms for my school were taking place. And um, I had like, I think, 20 or 30 bucks in my pocket to uh, go down and get 
though working on the dream album, but also the London calling live in Hyde park concert, because those two things came around around the same time. uh, If I recall. And um, uh, if not that, yeah, I think that was either 2009, 2010, that the anyways if it's a year apart doesn't matter the same time period so yeah. i went Close down enough. right i went down to hmv and uh i got this new record working on a dream and uh went home and loved it i mean come mm-hmm. on outlaw pete yeah um sure. the supermarket you know what i'm gonna get the hate for that probably on online because people are like oh how dare you like queen super i don't care queen of the supermarket has some of the best harmonies and the best uh uh you know instrumentation and yeah. the crescendo that it reaches to is fantastic yeah and i think that um we have to be careful as fans not to get involved with you know snobbery right like like we were just joking about like how dare you at 19 love tunnel of love i mean no i'm thrilled you love tunnel. and i say that with love to those yes i know you do absolutely you know it's like saying uh you know i mean i had a i had a um a writer on uh right after western stars came out and she we had a wonderful discussion about how she couldn't enjoy Western stars because it wasn't the album she wanted. Uh, you know, this was during the president Trump administration. She wanted another magic. She wanted an angry, mm. this is what the world is going through. Bruce trying to make it better. Yeah. And instead we got a collection of brilliant short stories. And yeah. she said, I, I understand the beauty of the album it just it isn't what i wanted and so therefore i wasn't ready to enjoy it at that time mm-hmm. and, and i think that's you mentioned something kobe that i love to bring up bruce i think for his own sanity and his own sense of creativity doesn't want to repeat himself and, right. and don't get me wrong i there are plenty of writers uh, if we move to prose for a minute, mm-hmm. that I pick up the latest, their latest novel, and I know what it's going to be. It, it is mm-hmm. a familiar formula. Mm-hmm. I, it is like you slipping into a well-worn pair of jeans. Sure. It's comfortable and you go. Yeah. And then there's other writers that you go, I don't know what I'm getting. And right. they keep stretching and doing different things. I think both are equally uh, impressive and enjoyable. Bruce, yeah. I think, looks for ways to push his music and to push his um, creative side consistently. Yes, he does. Um, and I mean, uh, if... I mean, yeah, like Western Stars, when that came out, um, it was the album I was expecting because, um, you know, when John Land, when John Landau would talk about it in like a press release or yeah, um, if whoever got a hold of it and got to do a little review or preview of it, I was like, okay, so um, they're saying it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of that or reminds them of these older country artists from the seventies and sixties, like, uh, yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like Bert, 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 Bert,
And when I put it on, Jesse, I was like, this is the shit, man. Like, hitchhiker. Okay, I got two. Okay, I got two awesome stories. Okay. Sure, please. So we're going to, we're going to, take a ride in the Wayback machine to 2011. Okay. Now this time at this time I have, I have collected the tracks album for Christmas of 2010. Um, so I have that album. I have all four discs. We got, my mom got it for me on uh, eBay because the tracks album is a unicorn. Okay. Yeah. If you can find that you are lucky and yeah. God bless if you're still trying to, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, because that tracks album, man, whew, there is a treasure trove of good fortune in there. Yeah. Um, so with me growing up in the digital age, right? Uh, I yeah. have MSN, Messenger, uh, Facebook was just coming out, stuff like that, right? So um, I did a lot of online dating. And there was one, there was a, it was a girl I actually met online. There was a few girls I met online, but uh with me being uh 14 15 16 i didn't know that i was a member of the lgbtq plus community yet yeah um i still very much had crushes on girls and this and that so yeah um but me and this one girl started talking and uh she lived in ontario fort erie um so to put geography in, in, in perspective, she basically lives on the other side of Canada from okay. me. Okay. It was like a Roman Juliet. <laughs> so um, in 2011 though, after two years of chatting online, um, our, both of our mothers had a conversation and, and the idea of maybe both of us meeting um, after I graduated high school, she was two years younger than I was. Um, but going to summer vacation, I could take a trip and stay with them for about three or so weeks. It was. Yeah. So I boarded the Greyhound bus uh, back when we had routes running because Greyhound has since canceled most of the routes in Canada. Um, I took a trip. It took two days from Edmonton, Alberta, all the way to Toronto, Ontario. And um, I played uh, Give the Girl a Kiss. Mm-hmm from tracks sure and uh you know so young and in love and all these songs you know uh because it just celebrated me being 18 years old and yeah finally going forth with uh this girl that i just had the hots for and you know we chatted nights on end i mean i'm sure people can understand that nowadays because it's commonplace to online dates and so forth right yes so um I get there and three days into my trip, she breaks it off with me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, long story short, uh, you know, when you fantasize about love, you have these ideas of what the other person is like, especially yeah. when you can't see them all the time. There's long distance, you know, we yes. do we mail each other letters <laughs> and get some things, but we couldn't hang out like a normal couple could do. Sure. So, you know, I think we were both uh, gobsmacked when we first saw each other at the station. But then once things settled in and she started seeing my quirks, because I'm a quirky guy and I, I have a big laugh and a big personality and this and that. So I, it might have been sort of off-putting because she never saw that in person before. So, right. you know, it was a good visit, though, and I ended up staying the whole three weeks. We remained friends. Um, it wasn't a bad breakup. Um, yeah. I did go for like a walk down the street when she was like, hey, I can't really do this anymore. But 
the trip wasn't canceled. We stayed, we saw Niagara, Niagara Falls and, and we went camping in the great northern part of Ontario. Beautiful, beautiful country and mountains and all these things. Um, it was just so cool. It was a cinematic trip of a lifetime. You know, it, mm-hmm. it could have been a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I got to say, Ontario in the summertime is sweltering. It is like plus 40 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but okay. it's hot. Yes. <laughs> so there's that. Um, and then another story would be, um, let's see here. Um, drawing blanks on what else I want to no, tell you. That's okay. You know what I love? Oh, is, yeah. Go ahead. Story number two, if I may quick. No, please. Um, my best friend, Stephanie, uh, we grew up together in high school. That's where we met. And uh, with her Mormon faith, she had a mission to go on in southern Alberta. Yeah. So like Calgary and, 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 and south of that, too, um, which is about three hours south of Edmonton, where her and I, you know, grew up and all that together. So to give you perspective. Um, years later though, she, during her mission, she met, uh, uh, this man that she eventually began to love and okay. marry. Um, he was from Idaho though, in the States. Oh, okay. So with that, and he was a firefighter. So, you know, she thought, well, you know, with, with your career being so, you know, valuable and important and, and wanting to see other sites, they eventually moved to Idaho together. Um, so in 2019, some years after, you know, uh, chatting with her online, I'm like, I would like to come see you and visit my best friend. So I did that. Yeah. Um, and of course I got Bruce locked and loaded on mm-hmm. my car and, yeah. uh, Jesse, man, when I crossed the American border by car for the very first time and I play Western stars through the That's Montana nice. plane, I almost cried, man, because yeah. it was such a beautiful, again, the emotional resonance of holy crap, I am driving on the land that Bruce has been writing about for 40 plus 50 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Was this your first trip to the US? It was not. I okay. did fly. Um, I have been to California twice and Florida okay. once again for the Disneyland stuff and Disney World yeah. stuff, right? But I've always wanted to go to the states to just go. I I, I don't want resorts. I don't want this. Now yeah. I want to see life. I want to see the streets. You know what I mean? Yeah. And being able to drive through the small towns from Alberta right down through Montana and then to Idaho and seeing the desert, uh, the desert country and these sunsets that just had this vastness across the land because uh, it's a 10 hour drive sure. from my place to hers. Eh? So yeah, um, beautiful. And I had Bruce play the entire time because there's enough music <laughs> to last yeah. 10 plus hours. So oh, that's those nice. Are for, yeah. No, that's great. Um, you talked about you were a writer. Share me a little bit. I talked to me a little bit about your writing and, and what you have done in the past and what you're planning to do in the future. Right. Okay. So uh, as I was writing, uh, I, I began writing really around the same time I discovered Bruce Springsteen. So okay. going back to 2007, 2008, um, I was in drama class in grade nine. 
Okay. And uh, in, in drama, you know, uh, we started learning about Shakespeare a little bit and plays and things like that. And I had a friend who showed me this thing he was writing. He called it a screenplay. Okay. And I was like, well, what's that? Well, it's a script for a movie. I'm like, wow, that sounds so interesting. And he showed me some of the material he was writing, how he wrote it, because screenplays are very different from, say, novels and poems and all these things, right? Yeah. So they're very, like, they're like a hybrid of sorts, but they were a very different animal. So um, my buddy and I, uh, his name was Rick Heel, uh, or Rick for short. Uh, mm-hmm. We would sit in the atrium at school and begin writing uh, science fiction stuff um, yeah. and, and things like that. And really it was drama class that kind of inspired me to write about characters and, and explore uh, and create new worlds right from my imagination. And I had a rich imagination growing up. Um, So I, in my family, uh, I have a single mom and I got three younger sisters and um, uh, my, uh, the sister that's the oldest, her name is Soleil. Uh, it's uh, sun in French. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, we would go outside and, and just play make-believe and, and create stories and things like this and uh, just use our imagination to the fullest because sometimes we didn't have very much growing up, you know, as a yeah. lower middle class, lower middle class family, I would say, right? Um, so basically this was the genesis of me becoming a writer in my teens and then my, okay. in my 20s. Um, so I was writing these screenplay type things until I was about 20 years old. And then I finished this big project. It was called Exile. And it's like a uh, science fiction, but there's like a time paradox where the character goes back in time to like the ancient Roman times. And Mm. it was a really vast story with many, many characters and it didn't really make sense. Okay. (laughs) When I read it back to myself. So I went from there to then, you know what, this, this thing, I need to write with more detail and I want to have less constrictions because screenplays have restraints to them you know there's a Mm -hmm. certain way to go about writing them uh there you know it's you have to be concise and with a novel you don't have to be concise you can be yeah whatever you want so i turned to novels when i was about 20 21 and uh short stories and things like this and so go now to about 25 years old it's only about three well three four years it'll be 29 this year so about three four years ago i had this idea for a collection of short stories um i had shelved my my exile screenplay the science fiction screenplay that i wrote from 14 to 20 um Mm -hmm. i shelved that because i was going to turn that into a novel but i shelved it and i went to this idea of short stories and I wrote many, many short stories, honing my craft, getting better, you know, trying this, submitting that, getting rejected, things like this. And um, to the point now where uh, three, four years later, I have a very concise project. Um, It has a very funky name. It's called Phantasmagoria. Um, It's a dark story about uh mental health and about you know, those horror and there's some thrilling uh, aspects to it but um it's 
it's a hybrid that I have not quite seen in literature to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm proud of it. It's taking a long time to figure yeah. it out, but I'm hoping I get a finished first draft this year. So, okay, good. There you go. How has your Bruce Springsteen fandom and his work influenced your creative writing? Yeah. So um, back when I was 14 to 20, um, for some reason, Jesse, I would put, I'd play Terry. Okay. The song Terry. And um, it just, again, the emotional resonance. I'm like, wow. You know, it allowed me to excavate into my work and, Again, like, you know, and Devil's Arcade, too, like, that was a good song to really think creatively, too. I mean, the whole album of, of Magic and, and so on. But I don't exactly write to music, but for some reason, the song Terry, I would just, again, replay on and on as I thought about scene structure, mm-hmm. character development, story arcs, and things like this. To the point where, again, like I said, my mom would come down and say, honey are you okay like you have this sad song playing <laughs> and you're 14 15 years old what's going on yeah um because as a parent you never stop worrying right yes. you know and and as a as a teenager you're like what are you talking about <laughs> yeah sure um but you know it wasn't until you know 17 18 19 where i started watching interviews of bruce springsteen and him talk about how he writes and how he records and in many ways, Jesse, I have actually paired how he approaches an album to how I approach a project for oh. uh, literature writing. Tell me a little more about that. Yeah. So it's, I really love how he expresses the way he thinks about how to find a song title and whether a song title works and how an album mm-hmm. title works and, um, you know, how he would record, you know, 30, 40 songs, but only choose yeah. 10 and ax the rest. And I thought, okay, well, that's very uh, challenging as someone who adores, you know, his, sure. uh, his children, right? Um, how would I let go some of these elements if I were to cut here and amend here? It just, you know, it really allowed me to understand how to sort of excavate into not only my own work, but also as a listener to Bruce Springsteen's work. Yeah. And this is why, and I'll, I'll say this, this is why I really have no qualms, no issues with any of his albums because Mm -hmm. he, you know, people say, well, you know, lucky town, human touch, pony boy, gross, right? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Pony boy isn't really, doesn't offer very much for me as a listener. However, I have this rule when I approach a body of work for any artist, whether it's, yeah. uh, you know, music or, or, or painting or whatever it's, they offer this to us at this time period for this reason, you know, there's a reason for human touch and Nebraska and greetings from Asbury park and, you know, um, and, and working a dream. That's another album that I think is underrated by a lot of people that I see online yeah. talk about it. Um, so, you know, without rambling too much more about it, I think that's just where it is. You know, there's a concise project in each of these albums in the 20, in the 20 albums that Bruce has released. Yeah. Um, and I just sit there and I take it all in and I absorb it. And that's why I have yeah. no issues with anything that Bruce has ever done. I love Devils and Dust. I love yeah. 
the Cedar Sessions. Yeah. I can talk about any album of the catalog if you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, are there, obviously Magical is a special place in your heart. Are there other albums that you, that while you love them all equal, that mean just a little more to you perhaps? Of course. Um, so Darkness on the Edge of Town came out in uh, June 2nd, 1978. Yeah. <clears throat> And, uh, well, I was born uh, June 2nd of 93. Okay. So it kind of has like a birthday thing for me. So sure. I'll that okay. on my birthday or something. Um, I, I, I love to play Born to Run in the summertime because, as Springsteen puts it, it could all take place over one long summer yeah. night. Right? Sure. Um, and um, I, would, I would say, though, probably... Uh, oh, and also Wrecking Ball. I like playing that because it really, it really is a great summation of the times we live in and the hardship that. Yeah. As as a young adult now, Jesse, I feel that you know having to afford the bills and work a full time job and figure out how do I survive in in this world, yeah. you know, and and seeing sort of the veil being lifted up for the first time, you know, no longer a child where, you know, everything is very imaginary and easygoing and peaceful, you know, at least for the most part. And now it's like where I'm a Springsteen character. I am a yeah. Springsteen character in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, sure. I get it. You know what I mean? Or, or darkness or whatever. Right. Yeah. But, um, and like, and like you mentioned too, you know, tunnel of love resonates with me more, you know, cause I've dated a lot, you know, after coming out in, in mm-hmm. 2013, um gee i experimented a lot you know with with you know uh boys uh, especially boys but then you know there's some transgender people and i just it just like like the catalog of bruce springsteen my world opened up for me on a on a uh, sexual level and uh, on an expressional level too yeah um but you know western stars huge favorite because again it just it was an album i totally expected and i just love every track um working a dream i love because it's pop it has kind of some orchestral elements like western stars too but it's just different and i love last carnival the song last carnival that dedicates to danny and yeah you know i mean once you start knowing sort of the cause and effect for what he does you appreciate so much more yeah um but like i say i don't really have any go-tos in terms of songs you know what i'll do though or what i did you know in my youth especially was um if i couldn't go to a concert I would follow on BruceSpringsteen.net and at at the time of like 2010 and all that, they would give like a brief synopsis of how the show went in a particular city, right? You know what I mean? And so I would actually mimic and create a set list on my iPod with the songs he played that night and then let it play on my my iPod in my room. And so I could kind of enjoy the sort of the flow, the ebb and flow of what he was trying to do on that show. It was a great time as a fan because that's all I had, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. Um, so since you have um, not had the joy of seeing him live yet, mm. um, this will be a tough question for you. But if you had 
four or five songs that you would yeah. want to hear. And, and, you know, and I'm going to give you, right. Like, you know, how you play bingo, there's the free square. Yeah. Obviously, you know, born to run badlands, thunder road, whatever the things, but are there four or five songs that you would, you would go in with your, you know, wish list yeah. and saying, yes, I got this. Yeah. Um, thankfully because of YouTube, I've seen an extensive amount of him playing live. Yeah. And, you know, I know I'm not being there. I don't feel the full extent of the power and the right. glory of the E street. Band. Yes, absolutely. Right. But there is a high that you do get watching perform live. Yes, absolutely. Um, there is a high when you see the front row just screaming and reaching out and him responding. There is a high when you see Max just hit the shit out of those drums on, yeah. you know, the solo parts, you know, with like my love will not let you down or the born to run, you know, yeah. drum solo that, or the born in the USA drum solo. Um, you know, when the, 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 the orgs and the, and the synths are like at their max peak, you know, and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely born in the USA, hands okay. down. It is a, it is meant to be played live with the full band. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. Um, I would say, um, gee, racing in the street, just because it's like a seven minute plus masterpiece. Right. Um, and, and, you know, watching, uh, and why I say that one, because I just happened to review uh, the, the, uh, the racing the street uh paramount version i think the 2009 okay. for the for the darkness box set okay um where they like the full 10 songs of the album of darkness in like that little kind of closed off stage set that was cool mm -hmm. um, i love the piano roy does and just you see you know the uh yeah the uh the, the chemistry of the whole band you know they don't have to say anything they just kind of give a little glance or a nod and they you know they're just it's so in sync um, but yeah, born in, born in the USA, uh, racing the street. Um, uh, let's see here. Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, gee, uh, hmm. Um, pink Cadillac. Gotta love okay. pink Cadillac. Come on. Sure. You know, absolutely. Like, let's play that. Right. Um, yeah. um let's see here. There's many songs. Um, yeah. My Love Will Not Let You Down, I think, is a fantastic song we play live. I've seen it many times on YouTube, like I said, but it's it's just rocking. It is just yeah. so good. Um, and then my final one would be, uh, you know, I, I don't want to give similar answers to other people, but I'd say probably, uh, um, hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's so many. <laughs> yeah, Jesse, you're putting me in the spot here. Yes, it? no, I understand. Um, no, you're 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 good. Well, I would say probably. Um, let's see here. Radio Nowhere, because that's yeah. the one that just kicked things off for that me. That was the fan. first. That was that, that was, was your first, first love. That was the yeah. first. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Um, on a side note, you you mentioned. Uh, a mutual love of pet sounds. Yeah. Um, have you picked up Brian's latest CD at my piano? 
No, I have not. How is that? It is. It's pretty amazing. Um, it? It, it's different, uh, but it is just him playing select Beach Boy songs on the piano. There's no uh, vocal. Yeah. There's just him on the piano. Wow. And you hear, uh, you know, you still believe in me on a piano or wow. wouldn't it be nice? It's just, it, wow. it, it really is. Um, it, it's, it's very different. You know, I, I, um, I've, I've talked to a couple of people that are fans of, of Brian's music and yeah. they, they also agreed. Like it just, you know, I'm a fan. I'm going to buy anything he makes because I love mm-hmm. the man and I love his music. And, and he has been there. He was my first musical obsession, you know, yeah. um, Bruce is my current one, but he was my first love and uh, check mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. Go, go on YouTube, I check will. out a few things and let me know Thank what you, you think. I will do that. All right. Uh, before we get to the Mary question. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I know you're been you're trying to get back into your blog. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a funny that's a funny one. Um, so yeah, I, I also blog, um, and I really am not consistent with any of that, which sucks. I wish I was, but yeah, um, I just feel like you know I live a very day to day routine filled life. Uh, I go to work, I come home. Yeah. I go to work. I come home. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, I, I do want to be more reflective about myself because I really found myself uh, learning more about who I am in the past mm-hmm. year or so. Um, yeah. Partly from my partner and uh, partly just from, again, that constant excavation uh, through mind and body of, uh, you know, thinking back to childhood, to young adulthood, to where I am now. Um, at some point I would like to do more of that in a blog. Um, I also like to do some news pieces or my thoughts on the world events, stuff like that, but I, I just haven't lately. Um, and there's really no real reason for it of me not doing it. I just haven't. Um, but I do want to say as, as some final thoughts, yeah. is um as a newer age fan let's say um yeah. i also got into uh the pet shop boys um in high school yeah and in 2013 they had an album come out called electric and yeah. to my huge surprise there was a cover of uh last to die on that record ah and um and then, so that was cool. I'm like, okay, well, how did that happen? And I could not find anything about that. Like, I did not see how the Pet Shop Boys contacted Bruce or Bruce gave the go-ahead. I'm sure there was some kind of conversation there, but I don't know if there was. Okay. It wasn't until when Bruce did the uh, From My Home to Yours. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what volume it was, but I think it might have been Summertime, Summertime. Yeah. Um, of that's that's what it was called uh the one volume i think he featured like two pet shop boys songs on there and he's okay. like i love the pet shop boys and i'm oh, like awesome. i love that because as a fan of the pet shop boys and as a fan of bruce springsteen i just totally really resonated with the connection there that he made um for me because it's like i yeah. love seeing that happen where two artists you love actually have like a sort of uh a, a, a respect for each other um and that same thing goes for lady gaga because i became a huge lady gaga fan 
um, you know, at the height of her uh, peak there in about 2010, 2011. And lo and behold, on her Born This Way album, Clarence Clemens is on Edge of Glory. And I'm like, holy smokes. And even Rolling Stone reviewed the album as like a Springsteen-esque record. I thought, thank you. I love that because, you know, again, there was a connection made with Bruce. And um, um, and since then, you know, now being 28 and having 14 years under my belt with Springsteen by my side and this and that, um, I've, I've, because of him, because of all the different things he's done himself, I've been able to explore other genres of music. I like, I like like electronic music. I like pop music, hard rock, uh, you know, some country I've opened up my horizons because I was so, I was so, uh, linear and, and, and laser focused with just a select few artists. I was very uh, picky and I was, I was very fickle with what I liked, but, and again, I think that became, or that was the cause of, you know, listening to that hard rock and just yeah. nah, out with it. No, you know, but then with Bruce Springsteen, he let me slow down and, and he let me, he let me uh, uh, see that there's more to music and okay. because of music, he's, he's like the spine of my vast expansive taste for music. Okay. Very nice. You know, I, I remember when, when Clarence was in the hospital, tragically, yeah. you know, right before he died, right. Lady Gaga, you know, sent out a tweet asking for her army of fans to send good thoughts and prayers. Yes. And thousands of videos. I mean, yes. not exaggerating, thousands of videos from yeah. fans that just were sending love to the big man. Yeah. And you're like, you can say whatever you want about Lady Gaga. She's going to be okay to me. I first off, I think she's very talented. I think she is. Yeah. She she has a great soul, but with yes. that much love and respect for Clarence, yeah, you know she's okay yeah. in my book, right? Yeah, no. And you knowing her dad was a huge Bruce fan, and then you know they met Bruce at a dinner or something like yeah. that. You know that was just so cool. Yeah. Um, and and I want to actually say that say this on your show, but when Clarence died, I was yeah. on my computer on Facebook. Yeah. And when I saw the news, I mean, I was heart stricken, and I immediately played Jungle Land. Yeah. And I listened to the sax solo because that sax solo is the greatest sax solo in rock history. Period. Yeah. 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 That's 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 amazing. Yeah. Um. So. Um. Anything else you want to ask? <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to ask you, is there anything I should have asked that I haven't? Um, you know, that's pretty much, you pretty much got all the, all the notes I wrote. Okay, um, good, Kobe. That's um, great. Yeah, you know, like, like I said, it, I have, I've had a very uh, uh, lonely experience being a fan because, again, living in Canada, you see, it's not like living in New York or, yeah. or Jersey or places where Bruce is like, you have to go, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I hear you. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I started this, this podcast is, yeah. um, and I've been blessed that, you know, we, we've kind of connected, you know, we've had people yes. that got to share their experiences. So that means a great deal to me. If someone wants to reach you, how can they? Uh, they can reach me by, uh, on Twitter. Ugh, let me pull up my handle. Cause I, I know I changed it. Um, let's see here. Twitter. Oh, uh, it is 
Colby, C-O-L-B-Y, underscore, Crossley, C-R-O-S-S-L-E-Y. That's my Twitter handle. You can find me. You can follow me. I tweet things. I post things. Um, You know, I'm a pretty level-headed person. I hope I conveyed that on this podcast with you, Jesse. Um, uh, I love Bruce Springsteen. Uh, There's there's one thing I do want to uh, mention, you know, going back to snobbery. I did. I have joined, you know, groups on Facebook and things like this on the internet when when it comes to Springsteen. But I've just removed myself because (laughs) the snobbery just totally undercuts, you know, anyone's uh, reasoning for liking this or liking that or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I respect everyone's opinion, but, um, you know, there's that, but yeah, Twitter, Colby Crossley. And then okay. I have an Instagram, uh, where I also post a lot of vicarious things. Um, my Instagram is Colby underscore cheeks okay. <laughs> underscore Crossley C R O S S L E Y again. And then lastly, I do have a TikTok and okay. On my TikTok, you can see I have posted my entire collection of Bruce Springsteen on my TikTok. I had like a three-minute video showcasing exactly what I have from greetings all the way to the nugs. Nice. Okay. Very nice. My my TikTok here. Let me just open this up here. It is uh, Colby underscore Crossley, just like the Twitter. Okay. Will do. All right. Before I let you go, uh, if you are joining this podcast for the first time because you are a friend or family member of Colby, um, I end every podcast with the Mary question. Uh, The Mary question was given to me by Jay Armstrong. Mm. He is a retired honors English teacher, has a new book out. I always like to plug that, Bedtime Stories for the Living. Mm -hmm. And um, he would... in his honors English class, they would spend two days breaking apart Thunder Road. They would look at the lyrics. Mm-hmm. They would talk about the themes uh, that Bruce is expressing. They would compare this to other poetry, like uh, Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. I love that. And at the end of the two days, he would ask the question, does Mary get in the car? Colby, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? Of course she does. Because that's what the whole album's about. It's about getting the hell out of here. Come on, girl, let's get out of here. And then real life approaches in darkness. And their relationship carries on through the albums that come after. Nice. At least that's my impression. No, you know, uh, one of my favorite answers is the guy says, absolutely, because Moonlight Motel is her death. Yes, that they had gotten in the car, they made it all the way to California. They had a wonderful life together, and now then, yes. he's mourning her death, and that's yes. what Moonlight Motel's about. Oh, I got goosebumps just hearing that, Jesse. <laughs> yes. Goosebumps right now. Chills. Yeah, absolutely. Shivers. Yep. Yeah. Colby, Moonlight this Motel. was great. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I hope when you are ready to publish uh, your writing, I hope you join me again so we can promote it. I look forward to reading it. And that sounds great. Uh, And you are welcome anytime. So thank you for spending time with me. Listeners, go get vaccinated. Go get boosted. Um, We are in troubling times. As we're recording this, the 1st of March, it is a scary 
time in the U.S., especially in Europe, in the Middle East, and mm-hmm. a lot of places in the world. So let's try to be kind to each other because yeah. that's the only way we're going to do this. Thank you, Kobe. Thank you, listeners. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Thanks, Jesse. This podcast would not be possible without my wonderful group of patrons. I want to send a special thanks to John Munson, Mary Thomas, Terry Smith, Dale Hosick, Andrew Goddard, Stephen Malio, Alex Samada, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, Holly Mack, and Captain America, a.k.a. Steve Rogers. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Your support means the world to me, and you are forever in my heart. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.